You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Smart Connect Podcast, the podcast for small to medium sized enterprises. Join your host, Anne Marie Cross, as she interviews business experts and industry thought leaders on best practice initiatives, innovation, and insights to help you grow your business. Now, over to your host. Welcome to Smart Connect Podcast, Episode 1, featuring business experts and industry thought leaders to help you effectively navigate a constantly changing and disruptive marketplace so you can grow your business into an industry-leading brand. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. According to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, more than 60% of small businesses cease operating within the first years of business. Daily Mail UK has reported there are over 570 websites created every single minute. Across the web every 60 seconds, 216 photos are shared across Instagram. There are 1.8 million likes on Facebook and three days worth of video being uploaded to YouTube. So that raises the question, as a business, how do we not only position ourselves to survive those initial three years, How can our business continue to thrive and be positioned as an industry-leading brand? Well, joining me on today's show is Peter Engelhardt. He's the founder and driving force behind Creative Brew. Peter is a thought leader in the area of strategic branding and design for small to medium-sized enterprises. He works directly with entrepreneurs and business creators who want to transform their businesses into industry-leading brands and to help them stand out in an increasingly noisy marketplace. Peter and his team have developed the world's only interactive e-tool that teaches businesses the concept of strategic branding and provides step-by-step instructions and tools to guide them as they build their brand foundations and create a strategic plan. Now on today's show, Peter's going to share the single most important factor that prevents every business from becoming a great brand or a Fortune 500 company, some of the key steps that'll help you identify a meaningful and differentiated position in your market so you can transform your business into an industry-leading brand, as well as the immediate near-term and long-term benefits your business will experience when you begin thinking like a brand and not just running a business. So welcome to the show, Peter. Uh, Hello, Anne-Marie. Thanks very much. We really are in a constantly evolving, disruptive, noisy marketplace. And so some organizations may be sitting there thinking, you know what, we really have captured the market, the industry, so we're quite okay. However, because of all the changes, and I'm sure you can mention a number of organizations that thought that way, they were industry leaders, but things changed. And then before you knew it, they really uh, were no longer leading in the marketplace. So these are some things that we're going to be talking about today. So when you talk about the single most important factor that prevents every business from becoming a great brand or Fortune 500 company, what, what is that single most important factor? It's simply two words, tactics versus strategy. Most uh, successful brands 
all of the great Fortune 500 companies, they employ strategic advisors or they, they have strategic planning days. Uh, strategy is part of the whole culture of the, the business, certainly in the marketing and branding area. And they innovate new products according to the strategies they come up with, whereas most small businesses, it's a bit of a set and forget mentality. Uh, they start the business and then if it's not going well enough, they they jump from tactic to tactic, mm-hmm. sort of band-aid solutions, you know, oh, um, maybe I need a Facebook page or or um, let's just put out another brochure. Or uh, So this has them sort of jumping for shiny toys, the latest things. Mm. Being distracted. Uh, that That is a great, great point. And I know that for every business, it's going to be very different. But let's talk about uh, tactic versus strategy then when you're thinking about large businesses who do this on a regular basis. For a small and medium-sized enterprise, are there various time frames that you suggest, look, you really need to go back as a company, as a corporation, to revisit what you're doing? Is there a timeline or if not a timeline or set time frame, maybe some trigger points and some indicators that we can start to look out for, hey, this is starting to happen, we need to get to the boardroom? Any time is a good time to go back and think about strategy. But mm. uh, what I notice and get a lot of contact from companies that have plateaued. So, you know, things might have gone well for them in the first three years or the first 20 years, um, but all of a sudden they realise that the competition is changing, the market's changing, um, competition's coming out of the woodworks and growth isn't as easy as it was. You know, I experienced companies that used to do deals, you know, mm-hmm. over a bottle of wine in a, in a pub or whatever. Um, that's not happening anymore. You know, the young people are um, finding businesses and services online and if you're not online with some sort of strategy, you're not going to get found in the future. So it's probably very pressing that people start to think strategically, but certainly in the early days when they're starting out and when they're plateaued and not not growing as fast as they'd hoped. Mm. One thing that I think as small and medium-sized enterprises, in comparison to really large corporations, we've got the benefit of being able to monitor and change quickly. Obviously, we need to have the right team and, and right systems and processes in place to enable that. Let's talk about some of these steps that organisations need to think about so that they can create a meaningful and differated position because I'm sure you'd agree, Peter, the things that you're going to be sharing, when people are up to date, they're very clear on these things, it really is going to position them in the best possible way, no matter what changes and disruptions happen in the marketplace. So let's talk about some of the seven steps. What's the first one? Well, the first one is purpose or as Simon Sinek puts it, your why, the reason you're in business over and above making a profit. I take it back to that because, you know, from purpose, um, integrity flows. People can research anything they want to about your company and, you know, they can find previous buyers who aren't happy or are happy and they can read about your why or and the new buyers, the new millennials certainly really are looking for something over and above just a service or a product. They, mm. they are looking for the reason that people are in business and they want to support or relate to those to businesses at, at a more human level because we're online so much that innate need to go out and sit down with people and, and just chat and be human 
it doesn't happen as much. We're behind the computer all the time. So we're looking for that connection in other ways. Mm. So the purpose is very important. But over and above that, there's even you know, statistics that prove the purpose-driven companies, things like uh, Walt Disney, whose purpose is to make the world happy, they outperform the stock market by a factor of 12 and survive for you know much longer. So purpose is is vital. Mm. And I think what really happens and for companies that do that very well, it really is creating that experience across everything that they do, all of the, the, the various elements that they're using to market their business, their communications. And as you said, as, as consumers or the people that you want to engage with as a business, because they have similar values, and, and I know that's probably something you're going to talk about, but it all, it all is together. And I think you need to have all of these seven things in place that we're going to talk about. Uh, but it, it really helps you speak directly to the core and engage at a far deeper level with your consumer which as you said today's consumer that's what it's all about real engagement real you know kind of that passion that that meaningful experience so purpose and and why what's the second step the second step is really understanding your target market at a completely new level too in the old days marketing used to be about the buyer persona that was a typical structure that if you googled it by a persona you'd think of the demographics and the psychographics that related to your typical buyer those sort of measurements or guides to your buyer aren't aren't very useful in today's modern marketing you really have to understand intimately the triggers that make a, a customer start to look for your product or service you have to understand what benchmarks they might be you know evaluating you against and and you need to think about you know, so the outcomes they're trying to achieve by looking for and using a product or service like yours and, and even the likely roadblocks that'll switch them off and understand that buyer journey because your marketing needs to talk to those points. Today, just simply talking about your features and your benefits of your product or service isn't enough to convert people. They want to emotionally connect with you. That's why purpose is there, but you know they want to think, hey, he understands me. He gets my pain point. Um, this really is the solution for me. So it's that sort of reverse psychology of selling. You're not telling them what you do. You're telling them how you're going to help them. And you can only do that when you really intimately understand them. You know, some of the something that you said earlier, and I really want to emphasize this, as a business owner, you might be hearing some of the things that we're talking about. And you might unfortunately say to yourself, well, we already know that we're already doing that. We know our target market. We've already identified our purpose and our why. However, as Peter has just said, the market requires you to go to a deeper level. And I know you and I, Peter, were talking offline a couple of weeks ago around the target market and really holding some key research projects so you really do understand and asking some key questions of your target market can not only identify really what they're looking for, what they appreciated, what they didn't appreciate, uh, it really gives you some golden nuggets that will enable you to really strengthen that relationship relationship with uh, existing customers and even potential customers that you may inadvertently be turning off because you just don't understand them in the way and in the areas that uh, you should. Let's dive into to step number three. What is your position in the market? Finally, you know, working through the steps that help you define that and by position, it, it must be a differentiated position. 
something unique. Ideally, you should be coming out with a positioning statement at the end of working through number three, finding a, a meaningful point of difference, uh, like you know, Mercedes owns luxury, um, BMW owns performance, right? They're very similar cars. Mm -hmm. They come out of similar factories. They burn the same amount of petrol and they really are as safe as each other. But in the minds of the consumer, Mercedes has held this position in the market of luxury for time eternal and BMW performance and Volvo safety. So it's about thinking through what does your target customer need or want? That's why they're the step beforehand, because once you understand what their needs and wants are, you can more effectively position yourself around those needs and wants. Then you can start to use you know, the language that appeals to them in your marketing as you move forward. Mm -hmm. Clearly, listening, observing, asking the right questions of your target market, because often in the, their comments, and I would imagine you would start to see a theme developing when a number of your existing clients, if, if you're regularly touching base and, and doing some feedback and research, some of the comments will create a theme that you think, right, we're definitely on brand, we're definitely creating our message in the right way and, and continuing to communicate that and create that experience. There may be some feedback that you get that'll enable you to make some changes before you start to lose some of your customers to your competitors who may be offering something a little bit more aligned with what your consumer now wants. Let's dive into step number four. Four is, we call them, I call them brand pillars because at this stage you've built an understanding of the market obviously you're clear on your purpose and you're positioning yourself well well, well now how are you going to support that how are your staff going to understand what's important as you move forward and what is going to be sort of sent outwardly to the market um, in every day-to-day -day connection you have with that market and how are you going to influence that gut feeling that it eventually becomes your brand and the best way to do this is by adopting brand pillars I call them old marketing days they were known as values and and you can still have a set of core values for your business your brand pillars though are the values that matter most to your customer not to you personally and when you base your business on those pillars tell the staff how they should act by standing by those pillars, then every interaction that they have and you have with your market is going to be more consistent. And over time, that gut feeling is going to build up because, you know, you stand for certain things. And uh, pillars, examples of pillars can be, you know, 100% Australian made can be an awesome pillar for, you know, a company. Richard Branson's Virgin Companies, there's over 400 of them, and, and he has three brand pillars, you know, customer centricity. So it's all about the customer first. Uh, no matter what business he goes into, innovation, he wants to innovate, he wants to change things, he wants to stir up an industry and that's, you know, his personality and also a unique vibe. He doesn't want to do it the same way everyone else does it. They're just simple words underneath the brand pillars are sentences and paragraphs that describe those words, but they're in the induction booklets of, you know, anyone who works for Virgin and they really understand, you know, the culture and how they're meant to act and what the company is trying to portray at every touch point. 
So those brand pillars become very, very important for building the foundations, which it also means that the owner of the business doesn't have to be there every day. The business is going to continue to to exude that that essence because you have drilled the um, the pillars into every part of the business. Mm. I think uh, the core values of the business are absolutely central to everything. It really, as, as you've given this great example about how Virgin operates, you know, you can use it to attract the right type of support system and, and people for your team because if their values, if they're not exuding the values and if they're not important to them and they're not exuding them, then that is definitely going to put any potential clients, but certainly your existing clients offside and they leave, they leave. And I'm sure we've got many, many examples and even experiences ourselves. So we recognize how important this is. Let's talk about step number five. Once you have your pillars, it's now easier to start to arrive at some core messaging that's going to go out to the market. I call it brand promise. So any multinational, uh, large company will have a brand promise. And for 50 years, the branding industry has said that a brand is quite simply a promise that it makes and keeps. We're not talking about a slogan at this stage or an advertising headline. The stage before that, your slogans and advertising headlines will come out of your brand promise. So with Nike, we've got uh, their brand promises to to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. They think if you've got a body, you're an athlete. Now, from that, they can get their great slogan, just do it. Once you make a promise, it, it drives everything from, you know, product development, service, you know, what you're going to do in your service. You know, some com- one tire company just their brand promises to create the safest tires in the world. So every day people go to work at that tire company and they know they're not just making tires, they are trying to innovate and create the safest tires in the world. And so it really drives staff engagement, you know, it evolves your marketing and advertising and it inspires new product development and helps with the attitudes and behaviors across a whole team, even makes the workplace more humane, more respectful and productive. These elements I'm talking about are very much about what internally drives a company or a brand. That's the common mistake is people hear the word branding, they think logo and, mm. you know, colors and pictures and typefaces. Well, six of the seven steps that I talk about, they are really powerful internal drivers for a company. Yeah, and I think if you have not yet clearly defined those internal aspects, the external, so in other words, the creative elements are not going to capture the heart and soul, if you will, you know, that real important brand essence throughout its its messaging and and those external factors. Let's talk about uh, step number six. Step number six is vision. Many people say, oh, you need a vision first. A vision is good to bring in later as you move through the process. You've nailed your purpose, you're understanding your target market, and you've got a positioning within the market. Now you're you're building on your pillars and you've got that brand promise. Okay, what is the inspiring vision? You know, where do you want to head? What's the, yeah, what are you aspiring to? I think a carefully crafted vision statement is going to help you communicate your company's goals to your employees and management in a single sentence mm. and, again, help with the culture of the business. There are many types of vision statements and they can be for the next one year, for the next five years. You don't have to publish them on your website or anything. They can be as simple as, you know, we want to open two more shops by 
next Christmas or they can be we want to be the biggest gymnasium in, in Australia. They should, you know, have a level of excitement and motivation to them so the staff are permanently pushing and driving towards it. But I think every good brand has to know what success looks like. Otherwise, you know, what, what does the ideal future look like? And that's vision. Mm. I, can, I can really see how that makes sense to do vision at this stage because you've really clearly defined a lot of the key aspects that's going to support the creation of that vision but also how we're going to do that I mean obviously there's going to be strategy around some of those you know the hows the steps and so forth but I can really see that and maybe a reason that many businesses struggle to define a vision that everyone in the organization can not only relate to they can engage with and they are passionate about it maybe it's because they have not yet got clear on one of the other factors Factors, one of the other steps that we've just spoken about. So a great point to uh, there, to consider. There's a famous story about the um, the janitor at NASA, and when he was asked what does he do for work, and he said, "Well, I'm helping put a man on the moon," mm. because that was the vision for NASA at the time. Yeah. So he didn't see himself as a janitor. He saw himself as part of a group of people who were helping put a man on the moon. Absolutely. And, and that just demonstrates it beautifully. Oh, absolutely. I think everyone in the organisation, when they can be so aligned with that vision and and so passionate and connected to it, my goodness. Yeah. So let's look what's number seven. Well, now we're getting into the sort of external expression of the brand, brand personality, I call it. Um, show them you're human, you know, define what your brand looks like, how it will talk, you know, the written word um, and, and behave. So your brand personality, this would get written up in a style guide and things like that and, and help you brief companies, you know, web developers or designers, um, help you brief someone to create an appropriate logo for you. So really understanding the personality you want to convey and it needs to be a personality that relates to the target market that you've decided is your core target market. They must be aligned. So it's at this stage when you are looking at that personality development, you are reflecting back on everything you've you've said you're going to create and that personality needs to align with your, you know, your pillars and even your purpose. So there's a fair bit involved there, but once you've done it and set it down in stone, like a style guide, every bit of communication that you start to create, every bit of marketing collateral is all going to be um, much more consistent and mm. consistency breeds trust. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to now express that brand visually and personalities, the tool we use to do that. Yeah. And as we're going through those steps and I'm understanding that each of these key steps are important to define, get clear on before we move on to the next step. So it's almost like a sequential process. Yes. That's the way I've put it together. A bit like mm. the pieces of a jigsaw and or pieces of a chain and they're, they're much stronger all together. Like in isolation, they, they're there, they work. But when you create each one continually reflecting backwards and forwards, it's a much more powerful way to or sensible way to look at creating a brand. Mm. It, it's not a linear process, although I've 
put it into a linear process just so people can understand. As you move through these steps, you will find yourself going backwards and forwards as you begin to understand the power of what you're creating and the fact that it's up to you, you know, the owner of the business to do this. You're not relying on a marketing person to tell you what your brand stands for or should look like. You can actually do this yourself Mm -hmm. if you follow, you know, these sort of steps. I think it's really, really important. Yeah, and as we know as businesses, it's important to develop systems and processes and have them documented. I think it's also very important to have these steps documented as well and very much become part of, uh, yeah, what we express to the team and to our team members and team members that come on board so that they can continue to communicate as, as well. So for someone that's listening today, and we'll certainly share how people can get in contact with you, Peter, if uh, they would like some support. Because I know it can be very difficult as businesses, uh, business owners, and even our team, we can get so close to, uh, you know, uh, what who we are and what we're trying to define that we just get blocked. So it's good to have that third person who is an expert in, in that in area to support us in uh, defining and getting really clear. So, yeah, so if there's an area that you're not quite sure on, uh, you know, go back, revisit it. You might find that some of these areas are, are quite strong. Um, so let's talk about once we have all of these very much defined, they're clear and they're continuing to be expressed as a company, what are some of the more immediate, the near-term and long-term benefits that our business is going to experience when we start to think like a brand and not just running our business? But firstly, define for us when we look at the word brand and business, what's the difference? Look, a brand is a gut feeling at the end of the day. I don't think you can pay um, a marketing person or web designer to create that gut feeling. That's why I sort of created the process because I think people should be creating that gut feeling. And with all this consistency um, that you can build up by, you know, having a purpose and a promise and your positioning statements and, and everything we've spoken about, you can, you know, affect that gut feeling over time. And that's the difference between a business and a brand. You are starting to think strategically as a brand. Every step we've just gone through, they are simply the components of a brand strategy. And um, the final part of a brand strategy is what you do with those components, you mm-hmm. know, what marketing you're going to do. So thinking strategically is really what a brand is and a business doesn't think strategically. When you've got a really strong brand and your company re- you know, releases a new technology or something like that, you've got people that camp overnight outside your stores waiting to get their hands on one of these new de- devices. Now that's a brand. Uh... That's, that's right. <laughs> Well, think about there's a smaller Australian company, Aesop, and they've done so well, worldwide company now, and they're very, very clear on their purpose and their vision and, and their pillars. And, yeah, I hear stories about people keeping the bottles and putting cheap hand wash into them oh, so they really? can, you know, have the bottle sitting in their spare toilet. We mentioned earlier in the introduction how so many images were being shared on Instagram, likes on Facebook, when a lot of times it's because images are being shared. When you really, once you get to to step seven that you shared, Peter, the brand personality where you start to express that in your imagery, in the things that you're starting to share online, when you've got your brand essence just right of communicating, I know as a consumer, if I see consistent pictures of, I don't know, a candle or whatever it might be, I'm thinking, 
I'm going out and getting one, you know, because it just communicates in such a way and it really does influence the call to action and, and often the uh, the purchase. I know that it's, it's incredible. It really is. So we've spoken, we've touched the surface and this is something that I know that you do every day to support your clients. If someone has listened today and they recognize, you know what, we may be strong in some certain areas, but I really see that in some of those steps, we really have found it hard to really clearly define. Let's reach out and connect with Peter. What's the best way for them to to do that? The best way would be to go to www.creativebrew.com.au, go to the contact form there. The process we've come up with is going to be online as a tool um, within the next two months. We'll be that have that completed. But uh, before then, if they anyone wants to reach out to me, yeah, creativebrew.com.au would be the best way. Fantastic. Look, thanks so much for coming on the show, Peter. That's great. Thanks for having me. Are you a specialist who supports small business and you want to increase your visibility, reach and influence with your own podcast channel, but you don't want to handle the back-end management and ongoing promotion of your show? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Podcast Network is on the lookout for a select group of specialists who are ready to become an influencing voice in their industry. So if you're an aspiring podcast host or if you have an existing business-focused podcast and you're looking for ways to increase your exposure, reach and results by leveraging our podcast network platform, let's talk. To find out more, go to www.ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash podcast host. That's www.ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash podcast host. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Well, that brings us to the end of another show. Know that you took a lot of great notes and insights and certainly reach out and speak to Peter to find out more about how you can build a brand. Now, if you want to connect with Australia's foremost collective of business experts and industry thought leaders for small to medium-sized businesses, go to www.ssba.net.au. That's ssba.net.au.